0: When I was nine or 10 years old, I went on a trip with my family. I think it was maybe spring break to visit my grandparents. My grandparents lived in Tulsa, Oklahoma. My family lived in Houston, Texas. And, and our little tight-knit family of my mom, my brother, and me frequently visited my grandparents. Uh, right before this trip that we made, my grandparents had returned from a golfing vacation to Hawaii, and like many grandparents and parents, including me, um, when they went away somewhere, they almost always brought a little surprise back for the grandkids. I think I was nine or 10 years old, and we arrived in my grandparents' living room, and out came that like telltale plastic sack in my grandmother's hand. Little did I know that within the contents of that sack, within the confines of that sack, was one of my all time favorite childhood gifts. I remember my grandmother reaching into that white plastic sack and pulling out a royal blue t-shirt. It was just my size. It had a huge, silver, somewhat glittery star right here on the chest and inside the star it read, South Paw Superstar. (laughs) I loved that t-shirt. I loved it so much that I tried to buy one off Google yesterday. It was one of those experiences for a left handed kid where I was like, yes, they see me. <laughs> Even to some degree, not just do they see me, but they know my pain. <laughs> Any other lefties in the room? A few. So you know what it's like to suffer the humiliation of green-handled scissors. You know the struggle of digging through a pile of baseball gloves, trying to find one that works, that works for you. You remember being different when you stepped into the batter's box or up to the golf tee. It is an experience that 10% of the population has. 90% of us are right-handed, 10% of us are left-handed, a very few are mixed-handed, and even fewer ambidextrous. What neuroscientists and psychological researchers tell us is that, in fact, Left-handed people like me have an advantage over right-handed people like you. We tend to be a little grittier and more resilient. Oftentimes, our brains work a little better than your right-handed brains do. (laughs) We're right hemisphere thinkers, but there are also more neural connections between the two hemispheres for left-handed folks than there are for right-handed folks Oftentimes, we tend to be better athletes. Male left-handed people typically earn, not in my case, male left-handed people typically earn 15% more than their right-handed colleagues. (laughs) Isn't that curious? Who knew that it would be an advantage to grow up as a left-handed person. And I can tell you, if you're left-handed, it felt like no advantage at all. It felt like a disadvantage. If we look backwards into history, if we look into the language around left-handedness, if we go to the Latin, sinistra is the term for left. We derive a sense of the sinister from left-handed people. In the 18th century, left-handed people were thought by the church, the institution that I serve, left-handed people were thought to be possessed by demons. When I was in seminary, I got a B plus in my liturgical practicum because when I went to the altar to celebrate fake Eucharist, because I wasn't a priest yet, but we were doing the sort of play-acting thing. At the end of the service, I blessed the people as I still bless you with my left hand. And the liturgic instructor was like, no, no, no. We bless people with our right hands. And I was like, no, no, no. You bless people with your right hands. But I'll tell you, when I get ordained, I'm going to bless them with our left. That's right. The culture is filled with the idea that for some reason, somehow, some way, being left-handed is bad. Which brings me right to Matthew's early telling of the Christmas story. We have the evangelist Matthew telling the very beginning of the story of Jesus' arrival, which happens for us again On Saturday, midday, and evening here in this place. And the Matthew, the evangelist Matthew, tells the story from the perspective of Joseph, unlike Luke the evangelist. And what we hear is Joseph's experience of Jesus' arrival. You could say, if we were to use language of the culture language of the day, what Joseph was experiencing was his life taking a left-hand turn. You still with me? What a shock it was for this honorable man who sought, as the evangelist tells us, to do everything right in his life. What a shock it was For him to come to the understanding, to the realization that his wife, with whom he wasn't living, with whom he hadn't had any relations, was pregnant. Joseph, always wanting to do the right thing, seeks to quietly break their engagement and dismiss a pregnant Mary to a different town so that she might bear her child without the disgrace and shame that might come to her if she stayed within the context of their community. After learning this news, after devising his plan, Matthew, the evangelist, tells us that Joseph takes a nap. And during that nap, An angel comes to him in a dream and says, Joseph, I know you're freaked out right now, and I understand why you are. But what I ask of you is to come to the understanding that this is a blessing in your life. God, the Holy Spirit, has come into Mary, has made her pregnant, and the child, the son that she will bear, will be unlike any other that has ever set foot on the ground upon which we walk, then and even until today. You see, I imagine Joseph had the perspective that many of us have, right? I'll get married, we'll start a family. If I have a son, most likely that son will join me in my vocation as a carpenter, will work alongside me in my workshop, providing goods for the community, living an upright and righteous life. Until God, the Spirit, gave Joseph's life a left turn it's not lost on me that all of us in this church in one way or another at one time or another has experienced a left turn in life the loss of someone we love the reorientation of a vocation the disruption of a family unit an illness a disease a disability all of us experience left turns in life i'll share with you and many of you know this story but i'll share with you the most dramatic left turn that came to the Bart's family at least the jackson-based Bart's family we were living in austin in 2001 Cindy and I had been married for six years, and we were trying to start a family. Um, Quickly in that process of trying to start a family with no success, I was diagnosed with male infertility. We um, were able to get Cindy pregnant with donor insemination through a series of about four months of treatment. And in a wonderful and beautiful and Holy Spirit Filled moment. Our son, Jass was born on my 31st birthday. It was such an unbelievable, sacred gift. About six months down the road, as we were beginning as a family to make plans to move from Austin, Texas, to Los Angeles, California, Jas was not meeting those developmental mile markers that most babies do. That sent us to a series of referrals. And I remember two or three days before the moving truck rolled out of Austin, Texas, Cindy and I sat in the office of a geneticist in Austin, newly in practice, who said, look, um, Cindy and Jimmy, I know something's up here. I'm not exactly sure what it is, but I can tell you that you have the good fortune of moving to Los Angeles where I did my training. And what I'm going to do for you is give you a referral to a guy named John Graham, who is the very best geneticist in North America. And John will help you find a solution to what's going on. Transition is what transition is, right? And several months pass by Many blood tests, a muscle biopsy, a lot of concern, a million, kajillion, billion prayers, and we find ourselves in Dr. Graham's office receiving a diagnosis that our beloved son, Jas, has something called Fragile X Syndrome. Fragile X Syndrome, though maybe not familiar to you, is the most common cause, the most common genetic cause for developmental disability. The news that arrived on our shore on that day was that Jazz would be permanently and pervasively disabled. He would live a life different than the life that you and I live. You can even hear him in the back of the church now making his humming and his screeching and is clapping. At that moment in time, the life of the Barts family, the Jackson-based Barts family, took a left turn. There is a paradox surrounding these kinds of left turns there's a a sort of folk tale that gets shared within the community of parents who have children with special needs and that folk tale goes something like this that the two of you come together and you plan a marvelous trip to Italy you buy your tickets you book your hotel rooms you create your itinerary You make dinner reservations at that pasta restaurant that you long to sit at for five courses. You get on the plane, the plane lands, the doors open, and you find yourselves in Indonesia. (laughs) It's telling. Here's what I can tell you from my own testimony as a person who is the parent of a beloved child like Jazz? I can tell you that it's the hardest thing that Cindy or I have ever experienced. Those of you who don't have this experience but have perhaps parallel ones can imagine in your minds how hard it is. And then I would say it is that and a little bit more. It's hard. What I can also tell you is it is the most beautiful and bright and wonderful and creative and unimaginably loving gift that has ever arrived at the threshold of my life. I can't look you in the eye and tell you honestly that I would choose it again. But I can tell you that I am a better, softer, more open, wiser, more compassionate, kinder, more loving human being. Because of that child. Because of that left turn that came to the threshold of the Barts family. This Christmas story, it's so familiar to you and to me. It moves through our unconsciousness. We see it around town. We hear it in the carols on our radio. We recognize it in the the decorations of this church. We'll hear it told again in this place on Saturday. It is a story that is so familiar to us, but if we can step back from it and step out of it, we can see that this is a cosmic story. And the work of God is so mysterious and so mystical and so powerful and so wonderful that this cosmic story becomes fleshy. It's grounded in the earth and it's way out there in the stars as the story will tell. You see left Candid turns oftentimes, not always, oftentimes give us a perspective of God working in the world and not just in the world, but in our own lives and in our own hearts that we might never catch a glimpse of if our plans weren't disrupted by circumstance. By a child, by a dream, by an angel, by a loss, by an injury, by an illness. Let me be clear about one thing. I don't mean to say that every bad thing that has happened to you is a gift from God. That is not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that challenges happen in our lives. Bad things happen to us. Trauma reorients us in such a way. And sometimes that's enough to crack our own plans just a little wider so that some light comes into our lives that we might not otherwise experience if it hadn't happened to us. Here we are on the threshold of the replaying of this story again. If I could leave us with one thing this morning, as we begin to welcome that baby again into our lives, if I could leave us with one thing I would say when life delivers that left turn, do your very best to hold on. (laughs) Maybe you need to hold on to some people, too, some friends. Do your very best to hold on and to soften and to open. Because I believe and I have experienced God running down the road to greet us in that challenging and sometimes broken place. You see, by virtue of the fact that you, each of you sitting in this room is a person of faith or at least a person who's open and curious, by virtue of that, I would say that each of you, each of us, in our own way, is our own South Paul superstar. Amen.